0: Good evening everyone, welcome to the highly anticipated first episode of uh, Upper 90 Podcast. Larry Henry here, uh, Managing Editor, SBI Soccer, and um, thank you for joining us on this uh, Monday night. Um, And my first guest, uh, I had to go big for the first show, so uh, got my man Tom Bogert from MLS Soccer. Tom, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. I'm
1: very excited to be the first
0: guest as well. There you go, and he and he even made it a part of his schedule after a long night of soccer and sweating it up on the court. So uh, we know Tom, we appreciate it. Um, so first off, I uh, wanted to start the opening show diving into the English Premier League. Um, Tom and I had some conversations throughout the season, uh, myself being a Man City fan and, and him being a Liverpool supporter uh who was going to win the league who's going to win the champions league um and you know at the end we both come out with with uh silverware um probably probably the champions league uh you know obviously worth more than the uh the three english cups but uh you know hey i'll i'll take the i'll take a treble and and you know i was kind of rooting for you guys to to get that champions league so um so first off Tom, uh you know being a Liverpool supporter coming up short in the league but then you're able to get that Champions League title. Um you know what what does Liverpool need to do uh, if anything really to to reap maybe go into a repeat for the Champions League and then also you know try to balance that with the with the Premier League. I know it's been a while since since they've won and and you know even trying to win something like the FA Cup or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think the way to repeat in Champions League is probably just go down 3-0 to Barcelona again. Cause that <laughs> seems to be an enviable. It was a fun night. Why not? Why not run it back? No, but it'll it sound like a cop-out. Uh, but they don't really need to do anything. Um, they have young players, players that range from young to in their prime at every single position. They're too deep at every single position. And if you sign another forward, if you pay money for someone, they're going to expect to play. And Let's be honest, no one's getting in, in the team ahead of Mane from Nino and Sama. So why waste the money? Why waste the budget? Why block young players like Rian Brewster? And, you know, I, I could just drone on about every position group about this going up and down the team. They just need to grow, keep going for another season. I mean, grow is, you know, maybe not the right word because they're already at the pinnacle of just winning the Champions League and back-to-back Champions League finals and finishing with the record for not winning the league. You know what I mean? What else can you do?
0: Yeah, and and it's it's tough because like you know, there was always the arguments last year when I had people, my you know my friends that weren't supporters of Man City or Liverpool, and and they would say, well you know what do you want to win? And I said to be the first English team to win the domestic treble like that. I mean, it, it's obviously feat in its own, and then if you toss in the the Community Shield at the beginning, you know you win four out of a possible. Five trophies. I mean, it, it's crazy, but um, but for Liverpool, I mean, uh, a lot of the fans obviously they want to win that Premier, get that Premier League glory back, and you know you fall short of that, but then you're you know you're the best team and you win the the best team in Europe, and you know like you said, you beat Barcelona, you beat a lot of other good teams to get there, and it's when you look on paper and it's like it. it clearly looks like it's going to be a man city liverpool run again this season pending you know somebody rolls off the start with like 10 straight wins or something like that like 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 a tottenham or something like that which i don't see it happening but um now i wanted to ask your opinion on this because it's been in the news kind of a little bit today now philip coutinho is is rumored to be linked to a, a loan back to liverpool um i don't know how much truth i really see see to it and i don't i don't know if it happens to be honest i mean i know it's tough at barcelona and if you, you struggled for a little bit like you did for a while you're going to get dropped um do you see liverpool making that deal and you know would you obviously welcome welcome him back with open arms if it happens
1: um, I don't know. I'm on the fence about that one. Uh, I I really did appreciate the shatter prana of Coutinho screaming that he needed to leave Liverpool to win, you know, big trophies and then he leaves Liverpool. It turns into a laughing stock by the end of the season with Barcelona and Liverpool knocked them out of the Champions League en route to win that trophy. So, I'm content without him. To be perfectly honest, I don't I don't, I don't want it to sound personal or anything, but you know, how does how does Jurgen Klopp and the teammates you know, trust him after the way he forces move. I don't blame him. By the way, you know, like obviously I disagree with the way he went about it, but you know, the age of player empowerment. I mean, I'm not going to crucify the guy for it, but I don't think that you can then turn around and return to like almost exactly the same team and expect that you know, hey, remember the last two transfer windows where you know, in in the summer I handed in. A transfer request on the last day of the window, which would have left Liverpool with no time—absolutely no time—to get a replacement. And then in—and then he mysteriously had a back injury that faded by the time he got to international duty for in Brazil. And then the same exact thing happened in January. You know, all the power to him to, to force his move. Careers aren't that long, but I think he burned a bridge there. And I'm supremely content with him with, with not needing him. We don't need him. I'm, I'm just
0: content with that. Yeah, and yeah, and like, and I, I agree with definitely what you say. I mean, it, it, the guy wants a way out, and he goes to Barcelona, and you know things like you said. You're going to it from a team like Liverpool to a team like you know Barcelona, where like like you said, you you get you run on a go on a bad run of form where you're not basically putting in the numbers for that price tag, and you know you get dropped and you're getting booed and. It's probably something maybe he didn't expect going there after you know the praise, but um, but yeah, I mean I think Liverpool are set, like you said, at every position. Uh, I don't I don't really see them making any other moves by the by the uh, end of the transfer window because the season's about a month, uh, a little less than a month now from starting. Um, now the, the big question is obviously, like I said, Man City, Liverpool. I think that's going to be the two-headed race for the league. Uh, Like I said, anything could happen. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, Man City could lose five players' injury and completely drop off the face of the earth. Um, Is it more so for Liverpool to win the Premier League? Is it more so they need to really go, kind of go perfect and and not drop points in those games where a couple games last year they, they did against lower competition? Or is it more so that, Man City has to they need to kind of need Man City to to drop points again against some bigger teams and even some smaller teams as well. Yeah, I mean
1: again, Liverpool completed a Premier League season in which they lost one single game. <laughs> so I I I just think it'd be foolish if if you play the result on that. Like mm. every single year in the history of the Premier League 97 points wins you the title. Not just as a win you the title, it's, it's a runaway. Your, your last five games, you already have two, two hands on the trophy. So, I don't... I, I'm all, life's all about expectations and, and being realistic. How do you get much better? Like, how, do you, how do you say you didn't do good enough because you lost one game or because you drew seven games while winning the championship while fighting on all these fronts? Same thing with like. Sometimes you just come against a historically great team. That's what Manchester City was. Is that... Are they going to have
0: a ninety-eight to one hundred points every single season? I mean, maybe, but probably not. Yeah, and, it, and it's tough because, like you said, you balance everything. Um, you know, Man City fell out of the Champions League last year to Liverpool, and and all, and still won the league. And then this year they. They fall out again, and everyone's kind of criticizing them. Like, well, if you want to be the best team for all that money you put out for these players, you have to win the Champions League. And here they win the, you know, four of Apostle possible five trophies, and then you know they still get criticized a little bit, which which I understand. I mean, it happens, and and teams are based off the winning. And like I said, if you're going to win the Premier League, it's one thing, and I think it's the most competitive of the European leagues because you know in in league one we don't have the bottom team beating PSG you know PSG runs away nothing winners or something but the premier league the last place team can knock off the number one team um now saying on the EPL um obviously some moves going on some some players shifting and shaking uh probably the biggest move was was seeing Eden Hazard leave Chelsea and then Christian Pulisic come in and um, any big moves kind of surprise you so far in the Premier League and, and do you think there's still going to be some, some big moves that come before the uh, end of the transfer window
1: yeah I mean I guess down to the first one um, I guess it's surprising that Yuri Taylor Lemons not only had no interest in in going to Manchester United but his agent told Lester to wrap up the deal before uh, Manchester United could even did that's uh, he had no interest in going through a team with more history that definitely would have paid more money and you know theoretically would have a higher ceiling like it's it's just a state of Manchester United right now so I think that that would be the most surprising even I guess if you think it out from a playing sense it makes the most sense uh, for him to stay at Leicester and be the man there rather than walk into you know a tough you know midfield to get into Manchester United even though they're struggling but, so yeah that'd be the most surprising and as for Stuff to happen? Yeah, I always expect things to happen. Teams get desperate, um, even though in in recent years, especially Premier League teams have gotten better at, you know, planning things out and not panicking and not buying somebody just for the sake of buying someone. But, you know, I'm certain that there's going to be a couple of headline grabbers before the season starts.
0: Yeah, obviously, uh, Yuri going to Leicester. That was a big shock for me because he played well. With Leicester, um, getting out of Monaco, I think is uh, is is good for him. With how bad that they they've dropped off and and went from what was it a couple of years ago winning Liga and then and being runners up and then they almost get relegated. Uh, I think it's a smart move for him. And and like you said, getting into Manchester United's midfield is going to be tough. But I think going to Leicester, you're, you're it's, he's familiar with that he can get into that team no problem and 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 it's less of a headache to be honest um you know we don't know how long Ole or solshar is going to be the manager depending how how well Manchester United does this season and with everything going on with Paul Pogba and you know all these players that wanted to leave and now like Romelu Lukaku looks like he's going to be staying so it's just it's a lot of headaches and, and I wouldn't want to be I wouldn't want to be a player to go there to be honest because you're expected to do so much and, and every year it's like Manchester United gets a couple players everyone's all excited about him and, then, and they, then they're on the bench and they can't even fight in the team and, and all so um so obviously, three teams coming up, um, it's probably always the most fun, I think, is, is seeing three teams come up and see who has the best chance of staying alive and um, avoiding relegation. Um, Norwich City, Aston Villa, two of the more familiar sides to be in the Premier League in, in the last 10 years. Sheffield United, it's been a while. Um, obviously, each team, couple, couple guys to lead the way, I think. Sheffield United's a team that I'm I'm really intrigued to see. Uh, I like seeing those uh, those stadiums, those smaller stadiums and stuff on, uh, you know, Monday night football or Friday night Premier League uh, when they host like a Liverpool or Man City. Um, I think that's a team that I think could maybe could replicate what Wolves did a little bit um, if people don't take them seriously. Um, they got a couple good. I mean, they got Phil Jagielka in uh, on a on a free transfer, uh, experienced guy. And and for for the people who don't know, I mean, Billy Sharp is a is a striker for the team. He kind of like a Jamie Vardy in a way. Played for all these lower level, level teams. Never played in the Premier League. And I think he's 30, 33 years old right now. Um, he finally gets his crack, and he's coming off a twenty three goal season. Um, Aston Villa, obviously a team that people know about um Tom Hanks a big supporter uh and, and you know won the the championship final over Derby County um they got some good guys Jack Grealish uh John McGinn uh and in Norwich you know you got again a, a good a good group of guys that have stayed together from from winning the uh, the championship Timu Puki 29 goals the Finnish international and and they got and then they got Patrick Roberts who uh, I thought was going to break in the Man City squad one day and that didn't really seem to to happen so he's on loan um, they got Tim Cruel veteran keeper uh, Tom which which of these teams uh, do you think has the best chance of surviving and, and do you see all three of them staying up or do you see all three of them dropping out or, or one or two or something like that.
1: Uh, who knows I mean it, it, it's gonna be tough um, I suppose that you would just side with the money of Aston Villa plus the way that they've spent it this year or this summer um, because you know your your league finish is directly correlated with the wages you pay but that doesn't mean that every team that comes up buys, you know seven or eight players for a little bit more than they should be ever always works you know qPR is a good example of that that they went down despite having, you know, a bigger wage bill that suggested that they shouldn't have. But, you know, Aston Villa have been smarter about the way that they spent their money. They bought uh, Wesley from Belgium, a promising target man Brazilian striker, who hopefully will be able to do for them, you know, at least play similar to the way that Tammy Abraham did for them last year. Um, and then, you know, Tyrone Mings, they had him on loan, now they're keeping him. It was just, it's just like a smart way for them to spend the money. So I would give them the best chance of the three uh, but, you know, the way Norwich played last year, as, as you saw, you can't really can't rule them out. Sheffield United, nobody, know, uh, we don't know too much about them and how they'll do at this stage, you know, as you Norwich and have well been, you know, in the league in recent years, but, you know, how, what, what will they look like when they're fighting to win every game rather than in the championship where they're expected to win more often than not because they were obviously one of the best teams last year. So, you know, mentality is always an interesting thing when it comes to that. Is, is can a team go from, you know, 90 points in the championship season because they're one of the best to, okay, we're fighting for 17, really. Every single game is going to be a dogfight. We're going to get outpossessed every single game. We're going to defend like hell every single game. Can teams do both? That's what's most interesting to me. That will decide who's going to stay up and who's not.
0: Yeah, and obviously, like you said, is I, I love seeing these these smaller not even smaller stadiums, but like you said, uh, a little bit is seeing these guys like they know they're going to defend, um, they know they're going to be playing in teams that like Liverpool, like Man City, like Manchester United, who have these huge payrolls and then can buy you know one player that's worth like basically the whole of Sheffield United. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, I I'm I'm really intrigued to see that uh, that Norwich is on the f- the first game that Friday night against Liverpool. Uh, I know you're probably excited about it. It'll probably I'm excited just to see the Premier League back. Um, but I know Liverpool's probably going to run away like five nothing winners that night. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll just be happy.
1: Hopefully, even even if they do draw, just just one day first place, definitely no questions asked because they play the first game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so next we're going to dive into uh, MLS. Um, Obviously a lot going on. Schedule in full swing now with the Gold Cup ending. Um, We're a little bit ahead of when the first half ended, but we can still count uh, looking at it kind of as the midway point and and seeing who who made some splashes in the first half. Um, So first we're going to dive into... The winner are winners of the first half of the season um i'll start off just um just with mine i think i'm gonna pick one team from each side uh union obviously a team right over the bridge for me uh in south jersey I, I think they've done a really good job with you know working with what they've had they they got rid of some guys some some bigger name guys uh in the all season um they lose CJ, C.J. Sapong, Boric Dachel goes back on loan. Uh, his loan ended after a great season. Um, then they trade David Akam away um, after a pretty good start to the season on his standards with the team. And um, and they're still they're still atop the Eastern Conference. It's like um, some of these guys. I mean, nobody really knew who Kai Wagner was uh, before the season, playing in the third tier of Germany, and and he's done really well. Uh, in defense, uh, Jameer Montero, another guy they got on loan um, from France, and, and he's done ec- exceptionally well. Casper um, Shabilko, uh, leading the team in goals, uh, again another guy who's kind of had to wait for his chance for, uh, from injury, um, and then they go out and they get a, they get Andrew Wooten now, who is a guy with a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, coming off a great season with with Sandhausen in, in Germany, and. You know, you add him in the mix. He he's ready to go. Um, Almost had his first goal the other night, uh, but it was ruled off. Um, And and I think that giving Jim Curtin that—that's you know—that security blanket now with with a a new extension. I I think it just shows the work that he's done. Ernst Tanner has obviously has respect and believes in him and but now they now it's they have to really go for it. They have to go and they're going to have some tough games coming up. They still got to play LAFC this year. They got to play Atlanta United uh, again, DC United. Um some teams chasing them in the in the east. So I think that's going to be tough. And then out west, I got Minnesota United. I think they've done a really good job um coming into the season. It was a little um wondering to see when Adrian Heath might be on the hot seat, um, a little bit and they've, they've done really well. Uh, Darwin Quintero has done well. Mason Toy of late has really been, been showing off. Um, Roman Metaner has been a huge signing in defense. I think he's been one of the, 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 the biggest signings from the off season that that's, that's done well. Um, and they, they just play with, they play with a lot of energy. They're on a good roll right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they shock maybe a team in the West if they do make the playoffs and if they can hold on. Uh, Tom, what what are your picks?
1: Yeah, so it'd probably be Philadelphia for me in the East, not to double up on everything you said. I think that <laughs> you know, er- Ernst Tanner has done a very great job uh, running this team, and I'm really excited to see you know what they'll look like even in a year or two when he has more windows and brings in more players. As you said, Kai Wagner casper Shiboko jamiro montero who, who else was looking at these guys um and he just plucks a couple of really good players you know philadelphia union are always going to be on a budget and getting someone like earth center whose uh philosophy is high pressing which helps uh minimize the impact of a lower budget you know a way to equalize everything i think i was uh, a home run higher by them um I can't, I don't even know anybody else in the East to even add to another team this discussion just because, you know, when you look at DC, the Red Bulls, Atlanta, New York City, Toronto, they're all probably underperforming to varying the degrees of how they, you know, where they want to be right now, both, you know, by way of points or performance. Obviously Montreal impact negative 10 goal difference. I'm not going to talk too much there. <laughs> so moving to the West, because you talked about Minnesota, I'm also a big fan of, well, spent time on, on San Jose. And we can't say it enough. This, they, he, uh, Matias Almeida largely has the same exact roster, adding what three, two or three players this year from the team last year that finished bottom of MLS, bottom, and they looked awful while doing it. He comes in, they lose their first four games, and they get gobsmacked, a negative fifteen goal difference, and all of a sudden they're fifth in the Western Conference. It's incredible. there's not too much nuance to it because it's just pointing out an observation but that doesn't make it any less spectacular
0: yeah I mean it was funny because Well, I was just writing this morning about my best of MLS this week. It was like you know, San Jose picked up a huge win uh, on the road sweeping the season series from from the LA Galaxy, and I'm thinking like, you know, are they for like are they for real? Like this is a team that a lot of people probably predicted would would struggle, be down near the bottom three or four in the West. Um, I mean if you told me that the San Jose Earthquakes would be 5th in the West. Sporting KC and the Portland Timbers would be ninth and 10th. I mean, it's, it's pre- pretty shocking. I mean, I know Sporting Kansas City's had their injuries and everything, but, I mean, it, it's it's mind-blowing. And, you know, and obviously, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, San Jose, an honorable honorable mention. And, and yeah, in the East, you know, definitely that everyone's been underachieving. Um now we're going to flip sides. We're going to go into the uh, to the losers so far the first half. Um, Tom, I'll let you start off with this one since I took the last one.
1: Uh, man, Cincinnati, I hate to put too much expectation on Expansion Club, but uh, within five months of having a blank canvas for the roster, they fired a coach, finally added a technical director, and have pretty much publicly admitted that yeah, we need to wait until these bad contracts are off the books, and we already spent all of our scam. and we're just in a hole right now that can't really be expected to get out of until you know our mistakes are already gone. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't know how you mess up such an opportunity like that. Like, how, how many clubs you know towards the bottom of MLS right now would would take a reset button? We can clear all of your contracts, you get all this TAM, and you can build from scratch again. That is, like the Vancouver Whitecaps tried to do that essentially, and they brought in, a, you know, they're not doing great either. But they brought in a number of players that you know are going to be a core for the future. How many players on Cincinnati are going to be there in say two years when they try to be good again? It's just it's really unfortunate. It sucks because they have a really good, passionate fan base. Um, but you know, I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't hire a GM when they were building Russell. I don't know why they let. Alan Koch pretty much have Corp Blanchard building a roster when, you know, if they fired him by May, they weren't exactly overly uh, confident in his abilities, you know, if, if, if you're getting rid of the guy for a sign of trouble. So, I don't know, it, it's just a, a parade of mistakes. The and then out West, uh, I like, as you said, with, with Kansas City, it's you can write it away in um, injuries with the Game Champions League hangover um, and whatnot. So they kind of had an excuse there. You know, the Timbers—they're going to make the playoffs; they'll be fine. You know, they have a backloaded home schedule. The Rapids would have been the big losers, uh, but now they're doing really well under Connor Casey. So I'm going to take you, I'm not even going to say anybody because if you had to press me to one right now today, I'd say the Houston Dynamo, and they can find you. It's just that if you had to tell me if you had to make me guess right now, I'd say they're not making the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what's tough right now with the West. Um, we, we have, You look through the table, I mean, from sixth place, you have RSL with 29 points, and then all the way down, even to the last two teams, I mean, they're nine points out, but obviously Colorado's playing better um, under Connor Casey. They, they've been getting some good production. Um, yeah, I, with the West, it, it's tough. Um if if Portland didn't have all those home games coming up later this year, I would say okay, like this is a team that made the the Western, the won the West and made MLS Cup. Um, they still, you know, obviously have a, a good group of guys there, and then, but you know, like I said, you bring in Brian Fernandez; he's been on a tear. Um, they they've been playing well, and and they have a lot of home games. So, um, yeah, I definitely see them them making the playoffs. But yeah, Houston Houston's been a team that's kind of puzzled me a little bit because they go out and they beat uh who was it the red bulls a couple weeks ago like four to nothing and then they then they lose a couple games i'm like like what like you have a, a dynamic attack and i know they miss players they're getting players back from international duty um but they're they're, they're very inconsistent uh in the east um to not go with fc cincinnati uh, i'm gonna go different route uh I, I am really shocked with how bad the Columbus Crew are right now. Like I'm really shocked. Like Caleb Porter comes in, Crew fans are thinking, "Okay, we got a guy that you know has a winning pedigree. He he's been able to get there, and they're not doing anything. They're they're just not doing." Like I, I looked through their like I think it was like a. A stat I saw the other day on Twitter—I think they're like—they've won one game out of like their last like sixteen or something like that in all competitions. It's nuts. Like you go through their league schedule, they won May eighth against the Galaxy at home. And You think okay, that that's a good win. That that's the LA Galaxy. They get and then they go on a spell where they've—they're on a nine-game winless streak. They've been—they haven't scored in six of those games. And is it more so that the roster is just they need players to, to, to go with them? I mean, I know you lose Federico Higuain, the injury. Now you're losing Zach Steffen. But, I mean, you know, you still have Jossie Zardis. He started off well, and, and now he's struggling to kind of find goals, even even before the Gold Cup a little bit. Um, they've just really dropped off. And I, I think it's a roster, when you look at you, you say, okay, they have talent. You have Zardes. You have Will Trap. You have Arter, You have Pedro Santos. And then they bring in David Guzman, a, a you know a guy who's been in MLS, and they still can't buy a win. And it it kind of like um I really don't know if Caleb Porter makes it that much longer if this team continues to go on a, a win on a winless streak. Because I mean nine game winless, they're looking like they're right now they're looking like the Orlando City of last year when Orlando City won was it like four or five in a row, and then they lost what. It's 11 or 10 in a row or something like that. Yeah, a horrific day. Every, yeah, Hardly really bad. Until October. So, I mean, I, and right now, FC Cincinnati, they won two in a row. I will put money that they are ahead of the Columbus Crew by the end of this weekend. Um, so, yeah, so that Columbus Crew is my loser in the East, nobody in the West. Um, so, now we're going to go into our awards for the first half um i have a really good 99 percent feeling we will have the same mvp um so i'm gonna go off and say carlos vela um obviously 19 goals eight assists for lafc uh he's just been doing everything for the team they're first in mls they're 10 points clear of the union uh for for you know the league lead um L A F C is just like is just a machine right now, and I, I think all fans and media need to start booking their tickets for M L S Cup in L A um, this year. It, they've just been on a, on a tear, fourteen wins, plus thirty six goal di- differential, which is crazy. Um, and I think Carlos Vela, obviously, we still got so many games to go. I mean, he could he could really break thirty goals this year, and I have, could see him getting twenty assists by the end of it I mean we could have a guy that gets 50 points by the end of the season and you know it's a second year in MLS but and just think about the supporting cast he's got around him if the one night he gets shut down I mean are you really going to have enough guys to stop Diego Rossi Mark Anthony K, Adama Diamande all these guys that Bob Riley has um, Tom I'm, I'm assuming that you're agreeing with me on Carlos Vela yeah
1: there's there's only one answer, one acceptable answer to this question, so not much uh, surprise. It, as you said, you know, he's incredible. Um, to update that, that assist stat,
0: um, as far as m dot com goes, he has 12 assists. So he leads the league with 19 goals, and he's
1: tied for first with 12 assists. That's,
0: That's nuts. Incredible. And yeah.
1: Yeah, he's, um, I don't know if he's still on pace or not to break Joseph's record from last year. I think he is. I have to run the math again, but as of, you know, two weeks ago, he was. It's, it's incredible, and it's a winger, too. Um, and there's just not enough good things that you can say about this team. Um, sometimes I get uncomfortable because, you know, to be journalistically sound, you can't just dump praise a hundred percent on somebody and you can't just dump, you know, hate hundred percent on somebody or, you know, criticism. Um, it, but it's really, really hard to find something bad to say about LAFC.
0: Yeah. Yeah. like I said, if, if, if. Everyone wants to know. Start booking your tickets for December MLS Cup. I do not see anybody really standing in the way of LAFC, unless um, you know we get a team that that kind of comes out of nowhere and and can handle all that offensive firepower they have. Um, one get one game sample size, and you never know. That's true. That's true. I mean, we've seen uh, we saw the Vancouver Whitecaps beat them one nothing, and then they got hammered six to one the next game. So yeah, um, and you saw RSL.
1: I know it's-
0: Different teams, but last year RSL went to the bank and beat them in a one game playoff, so yeah, that's 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 why they play the game, folks. Um, (laughs) so now we're gonna jump into um, maybe like the uh, the unsung heroes, uh, so far, the most improved, um. I'm gonna stay with the LAFC bandwagon here. Um, when you look through the roster, um, obviously a lot of guys. You have, you know, two guys that have double-digit goals. Um, you just have so, so many guys that you can call on for goals. Um, one guy I think that's really picked up his game uh, is Mark Anthony K. He's, you know, he made 20 appearances last year two goals this year he's got four um he's got a good amount of assists as well in 18 games so he's right about literally right about the the minutes he played all of last year and and he's done a lot of work in midfield um he, he's all over the place um he scored a screamer two weeks ago for for a goal in that that lopsided win over vancouver um i think that. That he is a, a guy. He's 24 years old. He's still got a lot of room to grow. He, you know, he plays for Canada. I think they're they're obviously excited about him and and Alfonso Davies together. Um, him and Edward Atuesta, I think, has been a nice a nice combination in midfield. Um, they they you know, like I said, they do a lot of work and and Atuesta's even got a, a plenty of assists as well. Um, so they're they're my two guys. Um, it was really hard trying to pick some other guys that have um actually actually a couple other guys that did have um miles robinson's another one uh a guy who didn't really p- get a lot of starts last year obviously with with atlanta united um and then he's he's already racked up plenty this year he's done exceptionally well um he's played over 1400 more minutes this year than last maybe a future uh a possibility for a, a future with the u.s if 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 Anybody can ever beat out, uh, you know, John Brooks and Matt Miazga. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's done well. Magnus Eriksson for San Jose has done done well in his second season in MLS. Uh, Tom, who you got for uh, most improved?
1: Yeah, those are good shouts, uh, definitely. Um, when it comes to most improved, uh, going off the board here, Lamine Sané might be one. Mm-hmm. Um, even though to call improved might be a bit wrong, he just had an awful year last year. Uh, pretty big expectations coming from uh, the Bundesliga. But, you know, this year for Atlanta City, he's been very good in the defense, and he's been one of the catalysts for, you know, their turnaround. And again, turnaround is relative. They're still under the playoff line, and probably unlikely to make the playoffs unless the impact drop or Toronto has the bottom fall out again. But, you know, credit where credit's due for Lamin Sané. Um, another one if we're regards... Further off the board, um, definitely shout-out to Chris Adoy-Adsep for beating cancer and getting back into the D.C. United team. It's one of the best stories in the league this year. Um, but, yeah, as far as other comeback player of the year, frontrunners, I'd probably say Josie um has the highest potential because the way him and Alejandro Pozuela were linking before the Gold Cup, before Josie got injured uh, around May, uh, was really really well, and he could put up some big numbers in the second half of the season. Uh, Did over Jordan Morris, who missed all of last season, and he started off this year pretty well with a couple goals in his first game, a couple goals within the next few games. But it's kind of quiet lately, so you know, if he has a big second half, then I think it's going to be him or Josie for a comeback player of the year.
0: All right. Um, next segment here, we're gonna we're gonna end it with the best. We're gonna end it with the U.S. Men's National Team. Um, we're going to first start with, so the Gold Cup just came to a close. Um, the U.S. rolling, kind of rolling their way and then squeaking a little bit in the the knockout round before getting to the final. Um, they can't get it done against Mexico in a Gold Cup final again. Um, it's history repeating itself. I kind of actually thought going into that game, I'm thinking, okay, the odds are, You know, the odds are against them, record-wise, against Mexico. And I'm like, but the only time they beat them was in Chicago. And conveniently, it was in Chicago again. I'm thinking, okay, everything's lining up for them to win, and they lose. Um, So overall, I do not think it was a bad tournament for the U.S. men's national team. I think they grew as a bunch. Obviously, you got guys missing. Um, Tyler Adams, DeAndre Yedlin, John Brooks, um, some guys that missed... Um, some guys that you know are expected to be starters for this team, and uh, you know they weren't there. But that roster, I still think some improvement is needed. Um, those guys coming in will definitely help. Um, Concacaf Nations League starting up this fall. Um, overall, Tom, what did what were your thoughts on the the Gold Cup for the U.S. and do you think it was a step in the right direction, even though they didn't come home with a trophy? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I do, and though, I don't want to sound
1: like I'm being Apologies here for the team Because obviously you, you hope and aim to win Every tournament you're in And Mexico is also missing a number of key players But you know I think if you if Especially after the Jamaican-Venezuela friendly losses, If you told us before the tournament That you know They would have a couple games where they played really well Like they did against Trinidad and Tobago And then get to the final against Mexico it, it would be a fun Entertaining, passionate Close, hard fought one nothing loss I think some people would take that um, if, if you offered that before the tournament. Now, you know when Jasi when went out the door, was turning the Mexico defense inside out and was one on one with Memo Ochoa. You know at that time, you probably you you wouldn't have taken a one nothing loss. But you know if, if we're looking at a glass half full, um, I don't know how much more Great Berhalter could have done with you know the players available to him. Um, as you said about the player roster, with the player pool, what needs to happen is they. Badly need a few of these U-20 starlets to pan out. And mm-hmm. that's not a great spot to be if you're relying 100% on, you know, young players. But it's just kind of where they are right now after a couple failed Olympic, um, trials that, you know, moving forward, Paxton Pomical has to make the, uh, has to be good enough to, to be a starting center mid for them because to let Christian Pulisic play left wing because our wingers, unfortunately, they're not very good. Uh, Paul o. is fine, Jordan Morris is fine, but you can't have both of them start. You can get away with one of them, but you can't have both of them on the wings. So that's just too dull and an attack. So, I think in a perfect world, when it comes to the, uh, the player pool, in a year from now, our best XI has to have Tim And um, and Paxton Pomicle in it. And that's only, not, not just because, you know, we think they should be and you hope that they might. They need to prove that they're the best options, and then the player pool will be fine. But if they don't, it's going to look a lot like it did here. You know, we'll, we'll do fine against Trudeau and Tobago, but, you know, Mexico's going to be better. So it, it just comes down to that. Um, uh, it's, it, you know, the house isn't burning down. You know, the house isn't sinking. It, so the doomsday uh, people out there, it's not it's not that bad, but obviously much room for improvement.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was a step in the right direction. Obviously, like I said, some players are missing. Um, a lot of people are excited, like you said, about these younger players, um, these these U20 guys. Um, I, I really think that uh, one position you need to look at, obviously for the U.S. men's national team, is left back. Um, uh, Tim Ream, I I think he did well with what what he did, but he wasn't really asked to, you know, bomb forward or anything. They just said sit back and defend, and you know, be aggressive. And but obviously he's he's getting older now um Daniel Lovitz I I don't really see him as the starting left back of the U.S. men's national team um Anthony Robinson's a guy who um you know just made that permanent move to Wigan today uh I think it's a great move for him I I think he has potential he has that ability like you know who if Yedlin at right back or whoever ends up playing Tyler Adams whoever ends up getting that role they can get upfield and make something I mean Nick Lima I think did a Okay, job. I think Reggie Cannon kind of surprised some people with with how well he did, and just kind of coming in like it's nothing and, and putting in some good performances. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's still improvement. Um, I, like I 100% agree with you about. I do not think the the ship is sinking at all. Um, the Nations League, I think, will be a good another good test to see, you know, get these guys going, get these guys together. Um, you wonder who's going to be there. Um, cause you know, we're talking about uh, a month into the domestic season. So you wonder who who's going to be allowed to go and, and stuff like that. Um, in a group with Cuba and Canada, which Canada, I think will be, uh, very interesting, um, for all those hockey fans that always, uh, in the, in North America, who always kind of, uh, argue this rivalry about Canada and u s and hockey I think it's starting to get that way a little bit in soccer with with, <laughs> with I, I think a little bit with obviously with the young talent um, so I, I think it's obviously a group that the u s should win um, it'll be interesting what happens um, another big thing today yeah, I want to touch on is the the u s getting a, a friendly with Mexico uh, yet again uh, confirmed by u s soccer this Today for September, five days before their their first game in the Nations League, uh, MetLife Stadium, home of the New York Giants. Um, are you are you a little excited for that, Tom, or is it just kind of like, eh? It's going to be just an air eh friendly that the U.S. will win, and then when it comes time to competitive matches, they're going to lose to Mexico. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: always playing Mexico is a fun occasion for fans, but I, I don't know why you need to play. This friendly, I I don't know why you need to water down how special the games are when, you know, you meet the Gold Cup. And even if for people who are skeptics out there about the Nations League that already view it as glorified friendlies, then, you know, there's a possibility that they'll play each other and that they will play each other now. So why schedule friendly? Like it, it just, it has all the, you know, sense of like a cash grab and that's just, you know, unfortunate. If so, you know, like why, why play? Mexico again. Just play them. This will be the third time within a calendar year, and more on the horizon. You know, World Cup qualifying is going to be on the horizon. I just I don't know. Not a huge fan of scheduling a game like this. Obviously as we've been talking, that they are the measuring stick at the moment, so I guess it's good to, you know, put yourself up against them, but uh, there, are, there are a lot of really good teams in the world that you can test yourself against. Uh, you can go down to South America, even play Ecuador again, play Venezuela again, you know. Teams like that I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't, as opposed to you know playing Mexico for the third time in a calendar year uh, before playing a couple more times Uh going into the 2022 World Cup. That's, I don't know. Does it doesn't really move the you needle know, for me too much because it's a friendly.
0: Yeah, and I wonder what happens too because they're probably. It looks. It sounds like they're going to try to get another friendly in before that Nations League. I I saw some some rumors floating around on Twitter about. Maybe a, a South American team, like you said, I think it would really be a good test for the U.S. to go on the road to a, to a South it? Yeah, yeah, to go on the road against a South American team and, and, and that atmosphere. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, if you watched Copa America, I mean, it, it, some of the matches, obviously, you'd watch and stadiums be a little empty, but I think just the energy and, and the fact that you're there, I think it would be a good test for the U.S. I mean, they played a lot of games um at home and uh and even it showed last year a little bit at the tail end of uh dave sarishan's uh stint when they would go to england and um and they played italy and belgium i I think the atmosphere was, was a was a new test for them um getting put up against the ropes a little bit i think it makes you tougher a little bit so um so we'll see what happens with that um so, obviously some guys, uh, American guys, been been in the news lately, uh, signing new deals, joining new teams, um, going back to, to teams they're on loan with. Um, so, I want to dive into an American Abroad segment with three guys who, um, you know, you're excited about, uh, Tom, overseas. Um, I'm going to start off just... We'll go 1-1, one and one, and then we'll vice versa. Um, first off, I think Tyler Boyd is a guy who um, is really kind of played his way into that move to Besiktas. Um, he did very well in limited time in Turkey last year, helped his team stay up, um, and he wasn't really playing in Portugal. Um, it was kind of mind-blowing that this guy comes out of nowhere... Um, barely, I think he made like 10 or 12 appearances for a team, his team in Portugal. Goes to Turkey, makes like 13 or 14, puts up more production there than he did ever in Portugal, um, wins a spot on... Greg Berhalter's Gold Cup roster And, and scores a couple goals And um, You know Kind of puts his name Into That list of guys Who You know Maybe gets A call back in um, To the US team I know he died off A little bit In, in the competition But um, I think he, he He's a different He's a different A different player Someone new That we're getting A, a look at Not the same guys on, on the wings And not the same Players And this and that um, I think It'll be an exciting season for him. Uh, it's a team. Besiktas is going in the Europa League. Um, I, I'm gonna really try, and, and I'm crossing my fingers by saying that I'm gonna really try to watch a Besiktis Europa League game um, because I, I that, that's all I do with my Thursday afternoons. But uh, but no, I think it, it'll be a good experience for him. Um, we've seen some other a- American guys that have been playing in European competitions. Obviously, Christian Pulisic. Um, Weston McKinney. So, um, Tyler, who's your... who's? I mean, not Tyler, I'm calling you Tyler Boyd now. Um, Tom, who's your first guy uh, you're excited about overseas? Well,
1: Tyler's a good segue there, because I was going to go, uh, unfortunately, with one of the obvious, uh, Tyler Adams, mm. just that he's well, pretty much won a starting spot and became a pretty integral player to a team that you know heavily relies on rotation because they collect you know a, a panoply of of really talented, promising youngsters. And Tyler Adams going to force his way into the midfield and there for whenever he was healthy. And, you know, they're going to be a Champions League team. So, man, it would just be so much fun watching, you know, 20-year-old American uh, being an integral part, hopefully, of a Champions League team and one that's going to be towards the top of the Bundesliga. So, I don't know. And, and I just love watching Red Bull Leipzig play. So, um, I'm always down for some Tyler Adams.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know many people that aren't down to see Tyler Adams play. Um, yeah, and I, I think it'll be good to see him bounce back. Obviously, he had that injury that kept him out of the Gold Cup. He's been training individually. Um, you know, as I, I wrote a little a little piece on SBI today about, um, they're hoping to have him ready for their final friendly against Aston Villa before they they kick off a German Cup play. So it, it'll be it'll be good to see him with a full season um, at, at RB Leipzig and obviously you got Euro- European competitions you got the German Cup um, maybe uh, maybe loosely being the term there they can contend with uh, Bayern Munich and make things uh, even more interesting in the Bundesliga um, yeah I mean let's change it up I want to see some other teams win here um, second guy uh, for me um, would be Anthony Robinson Um He'd been linked with a move back to Wigan. Uh, It it was really going to be tough for him to break into the Everton starting 11. Obviously, Lucas Digne, Digne there, um, the French defender. And then they re-signed Leighton Baines, um, you know, club legend. uh, And they signed him. So it was really going to be tough for him to break into the starting 11. He goes back to Wigan. Um... I saw some people on Twitter today like kind of bashing him for oh he's not good enough to play in the Premier League. I mean, the guy's 21. He he's not there's not that many Christian politics out there that can that can get that price tag. American guys that can get that price tag and go to the Premier League. Um and, and like I said, we're talking about a guy who's still a little raw. He he's done well on his loans away. He was at Bolton. Um even made a few cameos on the uh Netflix documentary about Sunderland when uh, Sunderland played Bolton. Um i was like, "Hey, I know that guy." But uh yeah. I I think he's I think he's showed promise. Obviously, we know he can get upfield. Going back to Wigan, a team that he helped help them fight off relegation. He knows the system, he knows the head coach. He did really well after a long injury spell out. Um so his goal will be to stay healthy. Hopefully, Wigan can move up the table and avoid any uh, late drama at the end of the season. Um, Tom, what do you think? So I'm just
1: going to keep sticks within and stay in Germany with obvious candidates here. So <laughs> another one for me is Weston McKinney, just because new uh, new manager David Wagner. So that's exciting for Schalke, and McKinney, just he's. Done really well at fitting into whatever the team needs him, and being the type of competitor and the type of player with basic skills that can translate across multiple positions. But it's the other side of that is kind of a problem for a center mid to be playing, you know, nine different positions in, in a single season. He, he literally played everywhere, but you know, like goalie and left back, at it, you know, every role in the midfield, uh, center back in a three in the back, right back, right wing back, center mid, attacking mid, false nine, one game, you know, stuff like that. It's that's not good for a young player and if we want to be cynical is that because he doesn't he, like he wasn't really convincing as a Bundesliga center mid I hope not I think we're definitely going to find out this year so I really hope that he gets to play center mid regularly for David Wagner and
0: yeah I, I'm I'm excited to see Weston McKinney um, obviously like you said he's very versatile we saw what he did in the World Cup I mean Gold Cup uh, I'm sorry US fans we didn't make the World Cup yet Um <laughs> But uh, no, obviously David David Wagner, a guy who, who played for Schalke, um, has been in the Bundesliga. Um, hopefully, they have a better go around than last year. They were where they were fighting for some some points at the end. Um, it was going to be really sad to see if Weston McKinney was uh, in, was relegated <laughs> with Schalke. But uh, and it, it's tough to have a talent like that playing in the second tier. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, my last guy. Um, it's probably a guy who many people are excited about. Um, Christian Pulisic, finally making that move to to, to the Premier League, going to Chelsea. Um, no more loans to Borussia Dortmund. He he's he's going to be wearing blue this season, and um, hopefully, he doesn't produce against Liverpool and Man City. But uh, you know, I'm excited for Christian. I, I think it's it's a it's a new step. It's a bold step to to go to Chelsea, um, and. Now that the team finally has that that manager headache uh, away, I think that's going to do him uh, good. Um, Frank Lampard coming in, uh, a guy you know, obviously who played midfield. Um, can obviously we'll see where Pulisic actually plays um, with, with Hazard gone. I think he's going to be obviously asked to do a lot with Hazard gone um, and that price tag that 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 he has, but I think. It'll be a good, it'll be a good season for Christian. I think he, he did well at the Gold Cup. Um, I think playing for a guy like Frank Lampard, it, it would be a fun experience. Um, playing for a club legend like him who, um, knows what it takes to be successful. Um, obviously, you saw the impact what he had with Darby County. Um, and yeah, I think we, we should see some production out of Christian Polisic and, and, um, you know, we'll see him, uh, in a long season in, in England so uh, Tom what do you think?
1: Yeah Pulisic it's, it's going to be really interesting and I do really hope that they succeed I uh, suppose that the transfer ban won't really hurt him because that helps that they won't be bringing in another winger. but uh, obviously they were planning for this that's why they agreed the deal uh, to get him in January so I don't I don't think that they would have bought another winger. but you know it's Chelsea so you never know so obviously Pulisic is definitely at number one and you know we're gonna go as far as he takes us as a national team, and it's just always great to, you know, truly appreciate the greatness as we're seeing it come up. Um, but my third, um, since you went with an obvious one, after I took two ones, my first two, I'll go a little bit further off the board and cheat again by taking a pair, because they play for the same team, Sebastian Soto and Chris Glosser. Mm. If they do stay with uh, Hanover, even though it's the German second division, both of them are liked by the club be part of their future uh, but apparently not liked by the club enough to offer them a requisite pay jump but you know if they can get over this contract impasse and you know be if key members of the first team which I suspect that they have a really good chance to that would be great to see if, if, if they're getting real first team minutes in the two Bundesliga that's just going to be great for their development and you know both of them were two big winners from uh, the U-21 Cup, specifically Soto, who um, not many people, you know, were high on. But, you know, we were all talking about Josh we, we Nobody really said anything about Sebastian Soto before the tournament. He played his way in everyone's mind. So um, I'd be really excited to watch what happens with him and the glossy at handover this year.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for them. Uh, it it's it's a good situation a little bit that the team <laughs> that the team got relegated, so they can probably get even more playing time with the uh, or maybe even make that case for the first team. Um, obviously, Soto came in a little bit at the end of last Bundesliga season. Um, Gloucester uh, Gloucester didn't, but uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely excited about Gloucester. I think obviously a defender who I think the U.S. men's team will definitely need um down the road and and he did 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 very well um so yeah it 's an, another pair that that definitely excited about uh you know it my cell phone's gonna be basically blowing up in the in the fall when i 'm trying to live stream all these uh games of American guys overseas um and then yeah even even another guy i didn 't even mention was uh obviously Zach Steffen. i I think that loan move to 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 Dusseldorf is uh, is is going to be be a good experience for him. He's going back to the Bundesliga. Um, he obviously going to Manchester City. It's always going to be tough to 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 win that starting job against a a, a guy like Ederson. Um, and uh, if if you're him, you want to play. You, you want to play. And you're, you're you're the number one goal goalie for the U.S. I mean, you can't set the bench. Um, so. Uh, I think it, that'll be uh, another move uh, that that everyone should keep an eye on. Um, Timmy Way, I, I think that's him leaving PSG is is good for him and it's good for PSG because it's it's you know they're able to get they're able to get a little bit of money for him and obviously they don't have to worry about um, you know r- rotating him in for the one league appearance he makes uh, with with how much talent they have but I think going to Lil obviously a team that's in the Champions League I think that's good experience you know for him it's a team that's in the past has has done well with with some guys uh Eden Hazard's one who uh you know was with Lil and uh I'm not saying that Timmy Way is going to be Eden Hazard but uh but you know going to a team like that who they have some young forwards who who did very well last year um that competition i think is going to make him better being able to you know say see another u.s guy on the the champions league stage it will be pretty cool um so yeah i think definitely it'll be an exciting fall coming up with a lot of guys um even some other guys you know that we didn't mention um i I think it's gonna be a good year so uh and that my friends is is the end of the show um sadly uh I know I know I don't know if you guys want to listen to to Tom and me uh go on for another hour. Uh we probably want to get some sleep. So uh Tom, my man, thanks thanks a lot for joining me and uh definitely have you on in the near future, my man. Awesome, sounds great. Been uh, fun. All right, uh everyone that was Tom Bogert, uh MLS soccer. Um you can find his work uh on there. Does some great stuff. Um and everyone thank you for listening to Upper 90 with um, myself, Larry Henry of SBI Soccer, and join us in the near future for the uh, next episode. Thank you.